Welcome to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker, presented by Allen Electric. And now, here's TJ Walker. Hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday to you here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Beautiful day in Louisville. Plenty to talk about still. Not quite over American Pharaoh's triple crown birth. May talk a little bit about that. Uh, I made a purchase today, and I want you all to tell me if it was a good purchase or a bad purchase. We'll get into that later. Trevor, how are you today? It was a bad purchase. You don't even know what it was. I don't have to know. We'll also talk Rick Pitino getting a contract extension to uh, 2120, it seems like. That's how long that contract's going to end up going. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Louisville baseball and a heartbreaking defeat uh, the Cards suffered last night. Uh, there's a little bit of basketball recruiting news. We'll talk some of that. We may talk a little UK football. Uh, it, so it should be a jam-packed show, as always. You can tweet in the show at Rivals. Let me know. What you think, what's going on, you can call into the Oxmore Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram buzz line, 5023 at 4-1450. Trevor, let me know through Skype that the contract goes through 2025 and tw- in 2026, not 2120. So you're telling me, Trevor, it's not a, an additional 100-year contract? So I was wrong about that? Well, if you wait a couple months, you might be correct. Have you ever heard of sarcasm? No. All right. Uh, I know that uh, Rick Pitino's contract isn't going for an additional um, 100 years. I thought you said 2021, actually. It's a 2120. I, I get that now. Okay, good. Sounds good. Um, we're also going to have Rob Doster on the show in the second segment. Uh, so we'll talk about Patino with him, I'm sure. He had an interesting encounter with a Kentucky fan over Twitter, which Kentucky fans, again, the most passionate in college basketball – uh, the biggest the biggest fan base on social media may not be the biggest fan base in the country, but certainly the the largest presence in uh, on social media, uh, which is a good and a bad thing, but it seems like you generally only hear about the bad things. Rob Doster had an encounter with one that i I followed along with, uh, and that was not not good stuff. so um we'll we'll talk to him a little bit about that. I'm sure. Trevor, what'd you what'd you make of Louisville's baseball defeat last night? You you really want to start on a down note with me? Is that is that what you're really going for? I mean, did I is it because I didn't care about what you purchased and I already told you it was a bad buy? <laughs> is, is that is that what this is? I mean, you just you want you want to bring up that you want to bring up this kind of notion? Okay, all right, let's start on let's start on that down note then. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it it hurts. It was uh, depressing and upsetting to see uh, Louisville lose the way they did. I could be like a lot of Louisville fans and run out there and blame the umpire and blame the, the uh, replay crew in Canada, which I'm pretty sure was run by Carlton Fisk, by the way. They made their decision in that call. And and I could say that it was all their fault. And it's wouldn't be a 100% incorrect. But, you know, Louisville can blame the umpire all they want. Louisville fans can. I'm sure the players won't completely blame it. But the fact remains, you had a 3-1 lead in the seventh inning. You left at least 10 men. At least I can remember. I stopped counting after that. It's like double foul situation. In, in, run, in scoring position without putting them through, including four of them at least, and then bottom of the ninth and bottom of the tenth. The officiating kind of screwed Louisville. I agree. It was a foul ball. You can't convince me otherwise. TJ, you can sit there and talk to me for the next hour and a half and try to tell me otherwise, and you're not going to convince me. But that's still not the complete reason. Louisville had opportunities to close that game out well before they put the, the, the 
their fate into the hand of a bad officiating call. Well, first off, I mean, how are you? It was foul. Are, are you sure it was foul? I mean, I, I could get if you said um, you're not sure if it's fair, but how do you know that it was foul? You could, I, Maybe it's my TV being a 55-inch HD, and, and I know I don't have the best eyesight, so I have to get a bigger TV. And I, and there are bigger TVs out there than mine. I could have gone to my friend's house. He has a 65-inch smart TV. Maybe it would have shown better clarity on that. But in every replay I saw, the ball was on the left side of the pole. And when it went, well, it, da- when it hit. Cur- it was obviously curving left. Uh, I think everybody would agree with that. But unless there were some angles that I couldn't see and maybe the maybe the the people in Atlanta that were viewing the call, which that was another interesting thing, is that the umpires don't review it themselves. Uh, they have a TV crew in Atlanta that reviews them, and they buzz back to the umpires and tell them what they saw. Um, so it's not it's not as the umpires themselves confirmed their call. They 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 spoke with Steve Jones and uh, and some of the media members yesterday. Maybe they just had one media member, which maybe maybe would have been Jody Dimling. But anyways, they spoke with a media member yesterday and, and told them that they they didn't they haven't seen the replay of the of the home run. They didn't know they made the initial call and then it was confirmed to them via Atlanta. And uh, what what the people in Atlanta said, Trevor was. It was they had they were it wasn't that there was not enough I'm getting tongue tied there wasn't enough evidence to overturn it uh, that wasn't their call their call was they could confirm that it was a home run um, either way they would have had some evidence to be able to confirm that it was not a home run otherwise the initial call would have stood regardless which was a home run um, to me it's just not one way or the other you you could know. And let me ask you this: In your opinion, was it a home run? Then, when you watched it, did you would you have called that home run or foul? Well, I don't. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I feel like I'm already kind of biased towards the play, and so am and, I a little bit. And, and in real time, I don't know. It depends what angle I had. Uh, it dep- you know, does that come? They all met together. The umps did the home plate umpire, and uh, obviously the the ump or on the third baseline. That would be primarily their calls. Um, I don't know. I, I think it certainly looked like it was going left, uh, or it looked like it was a home run, and it was going left, going left, going left. The question is, where did it cross? Did it hit the pole? Did it nick the pole? Um, again, I, I was probably I was already a little jaded by seeing reactions and uh, following along on Twitter. <laughs> I, I, if I had to make a decision, I would have probably said that that was a home run the way the ball was coming in. I just uh, well, I know you you love you. I'll give you your favorite statement. We'll have to agree to disagree, and, and maybe my my glasses were had too much a little bit of a red shade on it. And as I said, I, you, fans can blame the one call they want, but as I mentioned before, I we went into this a little bit. Louisville left many of opportunities to win that game in the bottom of ninth and the bottom of the tenth. Bottom of the eighth, not as much. And so oh, yeah. you, you can't you, you you can blame. I mean, yes. In terms of fractions, that is a percentage of possibly what caused Louisville to lose the game, but it wasn't the end-all, be-all. As I've said many times in basketball, and I guess it stands true in every sport because it stands true in basketball and football as well, and now in baseball, and for at least for Louisville fans, if you put yourself in a situation to allow to be possibly, in your mind, screwed by a referee's call or an umpire's call, then you really have no one to blame but yourself. I agree. I don't think anybody could argue that or would argue that. Now, if you're upset about the home run call, I can understand it was a it was a close call, bang bang call call. Uh, and, and, but the thing is, I don't think there's evidence to 
with 100% certainty to say that that was a foul ball. So even if you disagree and think it's the wrong call, uh, you can't necessarily blame the umps all that much, especially in real time. And then after that, the decision was out of their hands. Well, then I blame you right. D. I, I, I correct myself because you're right. In real time, I have no blame for the referees. That was a very tough call in real time. So I do blame the uh, the replay people in Atlanta. Damn you, Ernie Johnson, if that's you down there doing this. And another thing is, it, but the, you're right, they had their other chances. There's some very questionable base running uh, by both teams, but more specifically with Louisville. Um, and it's kind of a shame Louisville lost that game because they did make some unbelievable plays. Um, hey, they dominated but, sports center's top 10. <laughs> they did. Uh, but besides that, and another reason why this loss has to hurt so bad if you're a Louisville fan is you're you're probably better than Cal State Fullerton. You, you were unlucky to lose in game one. That game went to extra innings. Uh, it was unfortunate to lose that one. You, you dominate them in game two. That one not even very competitive at all. And then game three, you're very, very unfortunate to lose that one, a game that they led the majority of uh, besides two runs in the eighth by, by Cal State Fullerton. So you, you almost get the sense that maybe the better team isn't advancing to Omaha, but you know that's playoff sports and in in college and at any level really, it's it doesn't really matter how you win the game as long as you win and uh, you win in advance. And and Louisville will not be doing that. And for as successful as Louisville's baseball program has been, Trevor, um, under Dan McDonald, uh, only one College World Series win, which <laughs> Kentucky baseball hasn't been nearly as successful. But that's only one more win than UK has in the College World Series. Yeah, I don't want I don't want to compare the two because it is kind of apples and oranges. But it's kind of some. I mean, I mean, obviously Cal has a national title, but it's kind of like getting to the Final Four nonstop and and not getting that Final Four win in the equivalent of what uh, McDonald's kind of gone through since he's turned Louisville's baseball team around. He's getting to the College World Series, but you can only get to you know as Coach K said before '92, you can only get to the Final Four so many times where you start going, okay, this is great, this is nice, but let's get a championship. Yeah, well, it, you know, I, I would maybe agree with you a little more if one Cal didn't have that title in 2012, and two if he didn't go to the title game in 2014. So he's he, so he's 50-50 in Final Fours in terms of being able to win at least one game. Uh, one year he won two. And then two years, he obviously came up short in 2011 and this past season. So it, I don't know if that's maybe the best comparison, uh, but it is disappointing, especially with the Louisville baseball team and this year that had a dream season, which is maybe a little similar to Kentucky's. Uh, it wouldn't have been completely unreasonable to see Louisville winning a national baseball title at all. It would have been nice going against Vanderbilt again. Other ACC teams make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Vanderbilt, the defending champ from last season, was able to make it back. Four SEC teams, half the field coming from the SEC. Uh, we we talk about, I've talked about at least, SEC being able to dominate so many different sports, really football, baseball, softball, which, again, I know that our audience doesn't care all that much about baseball to begin with, and I know even a, a, a smaller clip of that cares about softball, but Man, the SEC in, in some of these sports uh, just really has a, a monopoly on them. I still think softball is the most the, the best when terms of dominating the entire country, uh, but baseball certainly up there. Like I said, half the teams remaining in the field from the Southeastern Conference football obviously uh, has been on a tear the last few seasons, despite coming up short on national titles the past two years. Uh, still really, really impressive. It came down to the, the, the extra innings between uh, the obviously Louisville and Cal State and then A&M and TCU that would have 
solidified in all ACC and uh, SEC College World Series. Yeah, you could have had five SEC teams, three ACC teams, uh, which I was kind of actually hoping for. Yeah, you know, I don't, I didn't really care if Louisville won or lost, but I think that would have been fun to have an SEC ACC showdown uh, at, at the biggest stage of baseball. And, and you know, if there's another silver lining for Louisville fans, is that this is college baseball, and I would say. 80 or no not 80 probably 70 percent of you all haven't been don't really care all that much uh so it's not the end of the world it's not like this was a it's not like this was a dream football season that that came up short or uh, a, a spectacular tournament run that ended in heartbreak and and i and i, and I get it. it's good it's easier to, to to let slide i didn't wake up today like we'd lost to kentucky for the second time in three years in the end of the way tournament wanting to just not come to work and talk anything about sports for the next 48 hours it was. It's easier to swallow, even though it's still a tough pill to swallow. But like a lot of Kentucky fans who I love watching on social media is making fun of Louisville and calling them bandwagon fans for going to the game. And listen, that's maybe true. But you know what? If Kentucky was in the same situation, they would have probably sold out. You could call those people bandwagon fans. You can call any program that's not pr- particularly a big time baseball program that's going to sell out oh. to support being bandwagon. That's fine. I'll, I'll accept that category. Oh. That's what you no, want to put I, us in. I wouldn't. I don't even know if I'd really call a bandwagon fan because. Baseball in Kentucky just isn't all that big. Exactly. So, I, I mean, I guess maybe bandwagon would be the I, – I wouldn't call it the technical term because I don't think bandwagon is a technical term at all. But, <laughs> you know, I, I get the, the I get the meaning behind bandwagon and, and how it could be associated with fans of Kentucky or Louisville when it comes to postseason baseball because baseball isn't really in our blood like basketball is. But, you know, you have a team playing in probably the third – most popular sport in some places, the second most popular sport in 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 college sports across the country, uh, and you have them a, a game away from reaching the the equivalent of the Final Four. Yeah, any fan base is going to get pumped up about it, or at least slightly pump up about it, and uh, go to the games and, and try to give as much as a home field advantage as you could possibly get. But like you mentioned, I, I can't imagine Louisville fans are all that heartbroken about it the day after. Yeah, it's a bummer. You move on. If you were to pick, I don't even have to say this, but if you were to pick one of your teams to lose in a heartbreaking postseason fashion uh, out of the three big sports, baseball would obviously be number one for any Kentucky or Louisville fan. So that ends that. That ends Louisville's baseball postseason run. Uh, again, another uh, another good season for Louisville comes up short in a dramatic fashion. Um, and the decision, some of the base running decisions, that's stuff that I don't think you should – that that should even be a problem at that level. Yeah, that, especially the one I think it was in the ninth with uh, Will Smith, and I, don't, I mean, it's obviously he's in a tougher situation. They've got six thousand people there when they're used to having a, probably about a fifteen hundred crowd, you know, going nuts. Obviously, Rogers getting embraced in the into the old situation, which I thought was kind of I, I don't want to ever question Dave McDonald. He know he will forget more about basketball or baseball than I'll ever know, but. I would have I wouldn't have not gone to the bullpen that quickly, but Louisville's bullpen was dominant all year, so you can't hardly second guess that as much. It's all hindsight, but yeah, that was the biggest. And I'm going to show my age, but it reminded me a lot of the uh, 1991 World Series with the Braves and Twins when Pendleton stopped on first base in a nothing nothing game or second base on nothing nothing game and could have easily gotten a third, halted the Twins end up losing, getting out of the inning, and of course won the game seven of that series in that same game, won to nothing in the tenth inning. Well, there you have it. I, and there, I don't think Will Smith, these listings, has ever been compared to Terry Pendleton in any way with the Bra- uh, 1991 Braves team. What would you would you make a Josh Rogers, who's who was uh, kind of had his 
15 minutes of fame last night. Uh, I actually liked it. I, 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 of, course, I, I, of course you did. I did. No, no, yes, and I, you're going to say because I'm a little fan, I liked it. I did. I, yes, maybe taunting the bench because possibly, I don't, for all I know, they were, ta- they were saying stuff that wasn't looking as dramatic as his reaction. I don't know that, but uh, overall, I love the uh, the little shimmy, the, the Mark Jackson shimmy. And yes, it's a Mark Jackson shimmy. Antoine Walker ripped it off from him, and anybody that's otherwise does not know what they're talking about. The Mark Jackson shimmy with the catch off the stab, the whole just the I, I like the attitude. It was it, it embraced the crowd that was just going insane at Jim Patterson. And it's just if if that if that was a, a Kentucky player in any other sport, Louisville fans would just be oh, Louisville crying fans. oh yeah. Their eyes out. They about would. how obnoxious he is. And I'm sure Kentucky fans were saying the same thing about him last night. Because he he was he was a little obnoxious. It could yeah, but I, I, I liked it. I, I it was it, it, it was the moment that it was. It was you were he was caught up in the moment, maybe a little too much by the fact that he threw two pitches about looking like Nuke Lelouch five feet over the catcher's head that's got him kind of pulled in the seventh. But nonetheless, I, I liked it, I, and I embraced it. I wish they would have let him kind of, instead of pulling him right at that point with two, in, in the, down 2-0 in the count, just kind of gone out there and talked to him, calmed him down a little bit, and let him continue because he was they weren't touching anything he was throwing. I, I, I agree with you 100% there. And I think Louisville's coaches, I, I mean, I, gosh, you know, Dan McDonald's postgame quotes were nothing but humble and gracious. And he seems like a real likable guy. He and, is. And certainly he's got the results to prove it in terms of being a, a stellar baseball coach, kind of raising Louisville's baseball program from, from nothing by all counts um, and turning them into a power. But I, I, gosh, you can't help but think that maybe he cost them uh, the, the series. I agree. Uh, Josh Rogers, for maybe a, as obnoxious as he was, was pitching a hell of a game, and I, I think his—I don't even—I don't even think his emotions got the best of him. With in the terms of where he was at, I think Louisville's managers just kind of and, and coaches overreacted a little bit, thinking that maybe the emotions got the best of him. Uh, you know, a, a player at that level, he, he probably can calm himself down. Uh, he's got some experience too. Uh, maybe go out there, talk to him if that's what you think you need. If not, just give him more time because I agree with you. I, I think he he was feeling it, even if he maybe had a pitch or two off. Clayby116 uh, texts into the show and says, none of these Louisville fans were at Old Cardinal Stadium during the uh, uh, Prado years. I was there, one of 10 consistent attendees there during those days. Uh, seems like I have more claim to Louisville baseball fandom than all the bandwagon fans so he's getting on Louisville baseball fans and he's right there wasn't much attendance I was I started covering Louisville baseball in 2007 McDonald's first year and I I didn't even get press pass I was doing it for the the blog that me and Rob Jones started in in, in 07 and I just I'd walk into the game just walk up the stairs and it was basically me Howie Lindsay the only other one there the girl who did the uh the music for the batters and the guy ran the scoreboard and then Sean Moth was in the next room that was it. And there was maybe 20 people in the stands on every game. And I went to probably 80% of the games that year. I've covered uh, I've covered some Kentucky-Louisville games um, at Jim Patterson. And it's a fun – the food's always good there. It's a, it's a, You get a cozy little press box seat. Um, it's, it's generally a pretty good experience. It, it's made huge strides just in eight years. I, I'm, it's amazing how much uh, progress they've gone forward. And it's mostly all – and I'm not mostly. I'm, I'm being honest. It's not 100% basically to, to Dan McDonald. And another thing is we were uh, we were talking watching one of the games at our house over the weekend. Um, 
it's crazy to think before Jim Patterson Stadium, they were playing at Old Cardinal Stadium. Yep. I wasn't 100% sure about that. I had to text somebody down at Louisville to <laughs> make sure that that, were, that was the case because, uh, one, Jim Patterson, it's an unbelievably nice stadium for a college baseball or really for any standard. Um, and then you have Old Cardinal Stadium, which is the exact opposite of that. I, I didn't know if there was some buffer years where in between uh, when teams actually played at Old Cardinal Stadium – uh, maybe before, after that, in between when Jim Patterson was built, maybe they went and played somewhere down in Cardinal Park, somewhere around those areas. I don't know. Um, but, man, I can't believe they played there. And, and I, I no wonder Louisville baseball wasn't popular back then because who would go to those games besides Clay B-116? Don't forget Louisville football was playing there, too, until, until uh, Papa John's was built. Yeah, but Papa John's was built, what, 97? Uh, ninety-eight. See, that's 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 kind of believable. But Jim Patterson wasn't built till what two thousand three or two thousand five? Two thousand five. Two thousand five. So, so I, I can believe that. And even the the last few days of Louisville football playing at Old Cardinal Stadium, everybody knew how big of a dump it was. Obviously, but they didn't even move to Old Cardinal till like I think ninety-eight, ninety-nine. Anyway, who who did? Louisville didn't. They played in Parkway Field before Old Cardinal Stadium. Okay, so so they didn't have, they they had a seven year stint at Old Cardinal Stadium. Yes, when they after they tore down Parkway Field. And I can't imagine Parkway Field was. I I, I have I, this is the first I'm ever hearing of Parkway Field, and maybe I'm showing my age there, Trevor. But I can't imagine Parkway Field was worse than Old Cardinal Stadium. It was built in the fifties. So that so then it was <laughs> built in the nineteen tens. I don't think it's not that old. We're not don't play. You need to say you can do. I can do better on ages. But my bad. Parkway was built in 1842. <laughs> I'm just saying, just because it was built in the 1950s doesn't mean it has to automatically be terrible. No, but we're talking about a, a a university field, a minor league field, so to speak, built in the 50s. We're not talking about Wrigley Field built in the 50s, which Wrigley Field was actually built in the 20s. Clay V. 116 said, "In those days at Old Cardinal, if you got a foul ball and returned it, you got free fries from McDonald's." Uh, it was great because no one was there, so you'd get all the balls. So Clay 116 was just cleaning up on McDonald's back in the day. I don't remember that, but it's damn funny. Uh, it kind of reminds me of uh, like Butchel Little League, where I, I grew up and was just a terrible baseball player. If you returned a foul ball, you got a free snow cone. So Louisville going the way of Little Leagues. It, I, I guess they really have come a long way, Trevor. The first Louisville football game I went to, I got my tickets by, t- by buying a, g- a gallon of Dean's milk. I remember my dad is I, I've heard the stories of that when you'd go to uh, Kroger you could you, you could cash out and get free Louisville tickets based on what you bought and yep. all that good stuff and then uh, Louisville has had some interesting promos in terms of giving away tickets and this and that uh, we're gonna head to commercial break we're probably you know I know this is a Kentucky based show for the most part we're probably gonna talk a little more Louisville after the break we're gonna have Rob Doster on and we will talk Rick Patino's contract extension uh, possibly coaching until he's 73 years old, which is uh, really, that, that's that's kind of old. So stick around here on 14, at least old to be co- coaching basketball. If you're 73, you know, you're, that's not necessarily that old. But if you're coaching basketball at 73, that's a hard job. Hey, Betty White's 96, and she's got like five TV shows. And she's, she's doing fine. Age is just a number, uh, but coaching basketball at that age is, is a different story. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. Well, let me get to the point. Let's roll another joint. Turn the radio to laugh. I'm 
listening to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. Dear Lord, baby Jesus, or as our brothers to the south call you, Jesus, we thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of Domino's, KFC, and the always delicious Taco Bell. Presented by Allen Electric. And of course, my red-hot smoking wife, Carly, who's a stone-cold fox, mm. who if you were to rate her ass on 100, it would easily be a 94. Mm. We're back here, 1450 in the sports. Talk with DJ Walker, presented by Allen Electric, Kentuckyana's first and only electrician dedicated to residential repairs. Give them a call, 636-HELP. For any electrical service, Allen Electric will never leave you in the dark. Let's waste no time from NBC Sports. Covering college basketball, we've got Rob Doster. Rob, how are you? I am doing great. I'm doing great, man. Finally off the phone with Comcast. I'm ready to go. It's uh, last time we talked, we didn't we didn't get around to talking too uh, about sports all that much. Seemed we were talking movies and and maybe even poking some fun at Trevor, which uh, is always a good thing to do. No, we were poking fun at you last time. Well, I think we I think we ended with poking fun at you. Okay, Trevor, I'll accept that. But we were talking, but you all were because you all didn't agree whether Titanic was an action movie or not, which it's again. Not. Was- which again was a moot point because I just wanted to make the point that Titanic was better than Gladiator, and, and nobody really seemed to argue that so much. So I, I'll take that as a win. Um, but what else is up, Rob? Uh, before we get into sports, what else is going on? What's on your mind? <laughs> Man, I'm ready. Uh, moving, moving's awful. It's the worst thing in the entire world. Where, where are you moving? Where are you moving from? And to? no, I already moved. I already moved. It's just I've been spending like the last two weeks doing nothing but like trying to pack and hang stuff on the walls and you know get rid of all the extra stuff in the old apartment. It's just it, it's pain, man. It's pain. Moving is the worst thing in the entire world. I don't necessarily uh, disagree with that. It, it is not fun, and it's. Uh, it, one of the worst things about it. We I recently just moved into a, a new house here in Louisville. Is a lot of people helped me move, which I was very grateful for. But I, I still to this day, I don't know where they put some of the stuff. Could be gone. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's like it's just sitting in boxes somewhere, and you don't know where it is. Like the, exactly. the key fob to my old apartment building. That thing is in a box somewhere. I don't know what box it's in, but it's somewhere around here. We couldn't find the remote. Uh, tried to play Xbox the other day. Couldn't find the Xbox. So, oh man! Yeah, there's just boxes of stuff everywhere. And, Finally, I just decided I'm going to rip everything apart, and I'll just stack it up like outside of boxes, so it's easy to find. And you know, that didn't really make anything any easier. And now my cat keeps knocking stuff over. My wife thinks it's a mess, so it's just moving is the worst thing ever. That's uh, on my mind. That 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 doesn't seem all that good. I, I I can I feel for you, Rob. Did you did you watch the Triple Crown on Saturday? I sure did. What you what'd you make of American Pharaoh's uh, race for greatness? Uh, I mean, it's at this point it's just it's horse racing, you know. I don't, I don't, I'm not too into it. Uh, you care about it three weekends out of the year, unless it's the state of Kentucky. And you know, I think that 
too many horses end up dying on the tracks. I don't understand why they can't solve that problem. And I just, I don't know. There's one of though, I'll tell you that much. Where where are you seeing that all these horses are dying on the track? I don't some I think it was Greg Doyle of Indy Star wrote something like 180 horses were euthanized on the track in the state of California alone last year. Um, I think like 15 have been euthanized on the track in the state of New York this year. A lot of horses die. Well, what happens uh, is what happens is like if they break a little bone in their ankle, then you know, they're they're basically no good as a racehorse anymore. Well, I, I know that much, and we we talked about this. American Pharaoh is not going to retire as a uh, as a horse; he's going to keep racing. We talked about it on the show yesterday whether or not that was a good idea because if he does get injured during a race, uh, horses, like you said, they're incredibly fragile. You could have to put them down. Do you think that's a good idea to keep racing him, knowing what his no. legacy is at this point? No, he's the first Triple Crown winner in thirty seven years. They're going to I, get paid for his babies. I agree. Go out and I let agree. him make babies. Like, he literally has the best life in the entire world of any animal in, in existence. Because the rest of his life, all he's going to be doing is making babies. That's all he's going to be doing. Well, I good. I'm, I'm glad we're back on the same page. Now me and you both agree, uh, and Trevor disagrees with us, so I, I like that we're teamed up again. Think about, well, you got to think about it from, like, a, a business perspective, because that's what it is. It's business. And... You know, how much money is he actually going to be making from running any more races the rest of his life? Well, if he wins the Breeders' yeah, Cup nothing, in October, nothing. it's $5 million, uh, uh, which is, is which is a lot of money. Yeah. But, oh, I didn't I, know but, that. But he could, so maybe let him, race, let him race through October. That's what, like three months away? Yeah, he's good to go. His, go win the Breeders' Cup. His stud fee is going to be 100000 though, or they're saying it could be, uh, which that is... You know, you can't get hurt if you're a horse um, by by making some babies, or at least I don't think they can. Maybe they can. Um, so that seems like the safer play. So I agree with you there. But we didn't have you on here to talk horse racing or, or horses making babies. We came to talk a little college basketball. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about your interaction with a Kentucky fan a little later on. First, Rick Pitino signs a con- first Rick Pitino signs a contract extension through 2026. Uh, what did you make of that news that could have him coaching Louisville when he was when he's seventy three years old? Good move by Louisville, or uh, maybe a bit ambitious. I mean, you might as well lock him up. It's it's not like he's going to end up going anywhere else. Maybe to the NBA if the NBA comes calling again. But um, I don't know if that's something that he'd be all that interested in, especially when he has a contract right now that will, you know, could be, end up be worth and worth as much as what. $70 million, I think, if you add all the incentives and everything in there. So, uh, I, I mean, he there's an argument to be made that he is the single greatest college basketball coach of all time. And if you have a chance to lock up a guy like that for the rest of his career, then, you know, you might as well do it. And odds are pretty good they're not going to end up having to pay all that money. Odds are also pretty good that the Louisville Athletic Department is rich enough where that kind of money isn't going to break the bank. So, you know, I mean... That's what you got to do, especially when you're competing against a guy like John Calipari who just signed a well, eight-year, fifty-six million or something like that, seven-year, fifty-six million dollar deal. So now Rick Pitino has a deal that's longer that is potentially worth uh, more money than what Cal is making. So you know, that's the most interesting part about it to me is that the whole you know battle for who has the richest contract and. College basketball coaching, but you know, I, I just I think it's just a way to make sure that the team is getting paid. 
So did you look at this as uh, this is just Louisville's response to John Calipari's contract and anything you can do, we can do better and bigger? No, I don't. I mean, I think it was mostly just Keenan was like, hey, I've been to three of the last four Elite Eights. I've been to five of the last eight Elite Eights. Uh, you got to start paying me some money. And, I mean, when it comes to negotiations and stuff like that, I'm sure that he threw Calipari's contract out there. Um, I'm sure he was like, look, this is what John's making. This is what I'm making. You should get me closer to that because that's just the way that negotiations like that work. That's just how the process is. Um, but I don't think that this was Louisville saying, hey, uh, you know what, we can uh, we can do Kentucky one better. Because they didn't. I mean, technically, he's still making, like, what is it, $2.5 million less annually than Calipari is. It's just his contract is longer. And he has uh, retainment bonuses, which make up, $7.5 million. If he is still employed by Louisville July 1st of next year, he gets seven hundred and fifty grand. If he's still employed by Louisville on July 1st of 2020, he gets $2.25 million. July 1st of 2023, another $2.25 million. And in 2006, the same thing. So he can make, uh, what, what is that, $7.5 million by just making sure that he is still employed by, uh, by by Louisville as of July 1st, uh, 2026. So that's where a lot of it comes in as well. And you mentioned earlier that you, you if you're Louisville, you want to lock him up. But but you did also mention later on he's not going to go anywhere else. And he's not. He's not going to go take another job. He's not going to go to the NBA. Uh, he's too old for that. Uh, he, he did say after 2011 he maybe considered taking a TV job after they lost to Moorhead State on a last-second shot in the first round of the NCAA tournament. But but why take him all the way to 2026 when he's not going to go anywhere else? Why extend his contract when maybe when that contract's up, if he's still even coaching, which I'm skeptical if he will or won't be, uh, why not then just negotiate another four-year deal or three-year deal? I mean, that's probably what's going to end up happening. And I'm sure that at some point he's either going to get another extension or he's going to get another raise and he's going to get a new contract you know, after a while. That's just, like I said, it's the way that things work in this business. And, you know, when it comes down to college basketball contracts, the link at all isn't what matters. Um, it's the annual salary and it's the buyout. It's what who has to pay what if someone wants to cut that contract short early. So, you know, I, if you're going to ask me now if Rick ends up coaching throughout the end of this contract, I would probably say that he doesn't. Um, I'm sure that it will be done sooner or later. But, you know, just, I, I mean, making sure that he has this thing all the way through if he wants it is, is probably a good thing for Louisville. But locking him in at a price when coaching salaries are skyrocketing is probably a good thing. And, uh, you know, beyond that, it's just, like I said, this is the way that things work in this business. When you have success, you get more years, you get a lower buyout, or you get you know more uh, more money. And, and he's been winning, so we got all three of the above. Certainly, the last few years for Rick Pitino have been uh, very successful, and including a national championship. Uh, we'll see how long he goes through this contract and, and if he even sees the end of it, uh, which would make him an incredibly rich man. Uh, so tell me a little bit about UCLA's schedule. Is it strong or is it not strong? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, I think it's, a pretty good, it's a pretty strong non-conference schedule, all things considered. They're playing, uh, they're playing the Maui, which also includes Kansas and Indiana and Vanderbilt, and I think one of the top 25 team I'm blanking on right now. Um, they play Kentucky at home. They play at Gonzaga, and they play North Carolina in the Barclays Center, which means they're going to have probably five marquee games in their non-conference schedule. And the rest is the, the typical stuff. You know, they play the first three home games, or the first three games at home against mid-major 
opponents. They have four other games at home against mid-major opponents. Some of them are pretty good, like uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Some of them aren't quite as good, like some of the, uh, the the California schools. But you know, all things considered, it's a it's a strong non-conference schedule. They have five, potentially five marquee games on that schedule. I don't understand how anyone could argue that is not a non-conference schedule. If you look at stuff like what Cincinnati does and what Pitt does, and you know what some of these other programs do, so. I don't understand why I got yelled at the other day. It was and, pretty funny, that, though. I laughed. And that's why we are talking about UCLA's schedule here in Kentucky is because uh, Rob tweeted that, and a Kentucky fan did yell at him. Give me the gist of this conversation, the gist of the back and forth for people that aren't familiar, and maybe what would your message be to Kentucky fans? Because there are a ton of Kentucky fans on Twitter. Not all of them are this bad, but uh, what No, what most, most of them aren't. Most of them aren't. Most of them are, you know – are, are fun to engage with and are either cracking jokes or have, you know, good conversation and stuff like that. Most aren't looking to try to troll. They're just either trying to look for your opinion or whatever. And, and I'd say 95% of my interactions with Kentucky fans and Louisville fans and, and the like on, uh, on Twitter is, is overwhelmingly positive, but it's just, you get these, these crazy people out there. It's like, okay, I, I, I did a post because Louisville announced their schedule and you're going to sit here and yell at me about it because I, I said it was. I, I never. Oh, here's the other thing. I never said it was stronger than Kentucky. That's the other part. So this guy. So I, I wrote the post about it and I tweeted it out. And he not only tweeted at me in a response, being like Rob Dawson must be a comedian these days. He also tagged a certain <laughs> uh, Kentucky-centric sports website and sports uh, radio show to try to to like I don't know publicly shame me or something like that and. You know, I'm, I'm friends with Matt Jones. I know him. I, every time I see him at a game, it's hello. We'll go out and get a beer afterwards or whatever. And and I just, it was just funny to me that he's like trying to get Matt Jones to come at me for calling UCLA's schedule strong when it has like one less marquee game on it than Kentucky's does. And I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. That probably wasn't a very clear summation, but it just, it kind of boggles my mind that, you know, I even have to go through this kind of situation. It is it is unfortunate, and Kentucky fans, uh, not everything is anti-Kentucky, and things that aren't necessarily pro-Kentucky aren't necessarily anti-Kentucky either, uh, and, and things that don't involve Kentucky at all, like somebody reporting on UCLA's schedule, probably are, is something that you don't even need to comment on, um, but again, when you have the, the biggest fan base when it comes to a Twitter presence, uh, Kentucky fans, you're going to get you're gonna get some, some bad with the good. Uh, that one was insane. You, you can follow the conversation, and you can follow Rob himself at Rob Doster on Twitter. Um, I guess that's that's it, Rob. I guess we're out of time. We need to head to commercial break. But thanks so much for joining us. <laughs> thanks for having me on, man. That was a that was a that was a better segue than I'm normally used to with uh, with Trevor. Yeah, we we talked a lot of sports there. We'll see if we can get back off track next week. Yeah, I know. We need to uh, we need to get back on movies. Maybe I'll watch like The Godfather too, so we can grill Trevor on it or something like that. I'm watching Entourage tonight, so maybe we can talk a little bit more about that. The movie? The movie. I'm going to see it. Five dollar Tuesdays. (laughs) Oh man, I wish movies in DC were five dollars. Five dollar Tuesdays. You can't beat it and it's gonna be packed because everybody's gonna be out there. But we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk some other movies next week. Thanks a lot, Rob, and enjoy your day. All right, take care, guys. Rob Dosser, NBC Sports, one of the best in the business, weekly guest here on 1450, the sports buzz. We need to take a commercial break. Do I have to go see Entourage before next Tuesday, or I'm going to be threatened with spoilers? (laughs) Yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, you will be. 
man, where am I going to squeeze that in between doing nothing and playing video games? You probably stream it online so you wouldn't even have to leave the house. Okay, we're good. Let's go to break. All right, we'll be right back here on Who delivered the medical school cadavers to the alumni dinner? Every Halloween, the trees are filled with underwear. Every spring, the toilets explode. You're talking about the sports talker. Of course I'm talking about TJ Walker. You twerp. You didn't you didn't take too much time making that clip, did you, Trevor? You know me. I moved quickly. That only took a few minutes. Once I heard, the, I, I thought about the clip last night. I thought I'm going to insert some names in that. I because uh, you're like going you're soon to be on secret double secret probation, my friend. I like it. I like it. It was uh, that was enjoyable and, and very clever, well put together. Um, See, when I use so my powers for good instead of making fun of you for Titanic, it can be pr- productive. You you didn't make fun of me for Titanic. You just strengthened my argument and, and replayed it two days in a row. Whatever you want to tell yourself. And uh, do you so do you think Gladiator is a better movie than Titanic? Uh, it's I don't I don't want to say it's better, but it's I mean, it has its better moments. I like it better, but I also like Titanic too. But is it a better overall movie? And I'm gonna. Uh, it's God, obviously I, I, not. I want to say yes just because, just so I could disagree with you. But I'm gonna say no. But slightly, I will get. It's not like Amer- Titanic was an American pharaoh. This this Titanic wins by a nose. It's and again, my whole argument was I was okay if you didn't want to call it an action movie. I was okay with that. But the point of my argument was it was better than than American, not American Gladiator. I, I'll, I'll take Yeah, American no, yeah, American Gladiator dominates both of them. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, but it was just better than the movie Gladiator. That's that. Uh, this is this is a short segment, and you know in these short segments, we don't like to talk about anything too serious because we don't have enough time, and then we have to pause the, the conversation. So this was a story that came out last uh, last week, I believe, Trevor, and may have some interest to you. Uh so the, the Denver Broncos have a, a fart tax, and Vaughn Miller is the one that has to pay the most fart tax. What do you make of this story uh, in, in Denver charging people that fart during meetings? I would, uh, I'm very glad I'm not a Denver Bronco is what I'm thinking because I would be probably being paying them each game, each game check. I would be owing them more money back for that. So, it's, uh, it's unique. I don't know if it's really – I mean, is it that? Bi- I mean, is, is it that big a problem that? I mean, it's not only just I guess farts, but it's apparently if they're smelly enough that where they have to start finding people to prevent from letting them out of their rear end. That's not a good. That's not a good thing. That's someone who's apparently eating way too much White Castle and Taco Bell the night before. It's 
it, it, it will probably won't help the problem. If anything, it will probably make it worse because people will be able to do it just to maybe blame it on their friends or. Yeah, how, uh, how do you know exactly who did it? I mean, is, is it who smelt it, dealt it rule going into effectiveness? Whoever said the rhyme committed the crime, usually. <laughs> I mean, how do we accuse someone? Do we just do we get like a, a fart sniffing dog to, to trace the, uh, the, the result of where it came from? And can you imagine how bad Von Miller's gas must have been to implement this rule? Exactly. That's what, I just, mean, just how smelly it, it had to be. Not not so much the the quantity of farts, but the quality. And how do we determine how do we determine silent but deadlies? I mean, we, we if it's a loud one, at least you can go, okay, that came from right over there. Clearly, that was Von Miller. But if it's an SPD, I mean, we we, we could be from anywhere. It's a, it's it's a, you know a silent killer. You know the the secret to SPDs is at times you have to jump on the grenade and admit when it was you. Oh. And then you 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 get a you, you kind of get a reputation, not a reputation of farting, but you get a reputation of admitting when it's your own. So then when you lay down a really bad one at a really bad time, then people would expect you to admit to it because you have a history of admitting to them. So sometimes you have to you have to bite the bullet on a few of them, Trevor. That's the secret. And I'm also curious if this is are they being done in like Roger Goodell fashion in terms of uh, suspensions and fines i mean if if it one that like in Step Brothers leaves a taste in your mouth do you get an extra 10 grand <laughs> on it i mean if it's so if it's something that like do you get like an extra like an extra percentage fined up if it's for loudness i, I mean, did have a point i did have a point to uh this this taxing for farting thing i didn't really want to get in a in-depth fart conversation although we did well and, i and think that, it's but, it needs to be talked about i mean we're, we're, uh, you know inappropriately fighting people that maybe don't deserve it but I was going to ask you if you could find somebody, if you could make somebody have to pay a fine for something that annoys you in your life, what would it be? Oh, man. You know, th there's one thing that really annoys me as much as anything, and there's very few things because I'm pretty laid back. But when I'm on the phone with somebody and that person I'm on the phone with is having a conversation with someone they're in the room with while they're supposed to be talking to me, that just drives me insane. I, I, I've hung up on people because I just uh, – you know, are you talking to me or them? Oh, okay, my bad. I didn't know you were talking to me. That, that just, in, oh, it makes me go insane. And I, I just hang up sometimes on people in the middle of their conversation because they're talking that, to the person in the room. I mean, I guess that happens a little bit, and it is annoying, but you make it seem like that happens a lot. Oh, I've got a couple friends that do it constantly, and it, it, just, it drives me insane. And they know who they are because I've pointed out to them. Yeah, it still doesn't, you know, I guess maybe finding them would start stop them from doing it because hanging up on them over the last 10 years hasn't stopped them. I, I like to think I'm laid back, but you said that you're laid back, so not that much stuff annoys you. But I get annoyed by a lot of things. Maybe I'm just kind of a jerk, and I'm, I, I probably am. I bitch uh, about more than I do get annoyed by, if that makes sense. One, I am an unbelievably impatient driver. I'm, I'm kind of impatient. I'm laid back, but I'm kind of impatient. I guess that would that would be the better that'd be the best way to phrase it. I'm a very impatient driver, so there's a thousand things you can do out on the road that's going to make me mad. No wonder uh, you don't want to drive to Southern Indiana because these people do not know how to drive one bit once you get over the bridge. I, I hate, I really, really hate awkward situations. Even if I'm not involved with them, even if I'm, I, I can tell an awkward situation between other people that I don't even know. I get, I, I hate it. I feel, I feel awkward. Um, and I, I, I would find people for asking questions they already know the answer to. And me being a reporter, sometimes I kind of have to do that just to generate content. So that's a different story. I'm talking about in a social setting uh, when when somebody asks something, basically just to make conversation. I don't know why. Again, I'm probably a jerk, so I'm, I'm taking that maybe a little bit too far. Give me an example well, of that situation, of a question asked that, that already you know the answer to. Like, uh, it, I, I would need to probably think about it a little bit more. 
but it's just when people are trying to make small talk. I, I guess that would probably be a better way to say it. Like, I, I don't like small talk. Like if I was to call you up and say, hey, TJ, man, it's hot outside, isn't it? Would that be fall into that category? Well, yes and no. I mean, if you called me just to say that, then <laughs> yeah, that would that would make me mad. But if you know, it, you, there in some conversations, there's going to be filler. But it's more so when you haven't seen somebody for, you know, maybe a few years, and finally you you see them, and it's that casual small talk when you know nobody's going to get too detailed. And uh, they, you know, TJ, are you still doing the radio stuff? Do you like it? Is it fun? I bet sometimes it can be hard. It's just uh, you know. They probably already know. It's just it's making conversation, and again, it makes me a jerk. But uh, asking You're questions. You're a very social person. I don't think <laughs> I am a very social person. I'm very nice, and uh, but but I just I don't like I don't like being I I, I don't know I, I don't like feeling like I'm wasting somebody's time when I don't have to, and I don't feel like I don't like when people waste my time when they don't have to. Yeah, I'm not much into the just the uh, call up just to say hi, how are you doing? Conversations. I, that's what text is for. If you want, if you just want to know, hey, what's up? Just send me a text, and if I feel like replying, I'll reply. Don't call me and be like, hey, Trevor, what's going on? Not much. What's up? Oh, uh, nothing. What are you doing? Don't call me. What are we, twelve year old girls? Don't call me for that. I'm, granted, I'm not busy. I'm not doing anything of important. I don't want anything. I'm doing is still more important than having that kind of conversation. Again, and another, uh, some people. Well, uh, you know, and, it, and it, it's some people that I love, so I, you know, I don't, I don't get all that upset about it. But a lot of people have asked me before if a and, and strangers too, if Abe likes treats, my dog. No, <laughs> he's a he, dog. He, he, he licks he's his on, own butt. He'll eat anything. <laughs> he's on a diet. He doesn't like treats. Uh, I mean, what kind of what kind of question is that? Uh, anyways, we're gonna head to commercial break. We'll come back. We'll, well, there's plenty more to talk about. I'm gonna I'm gonna weigh in on Rick Pitino's contract extension. We can talk about NBA Finals tonight. There's some reba- basketball recruiting news. Uh, there's there's a lot of things we probably won't be able to squeeze in. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker. To get involved on the show, call the Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram Buzz Line. What number did you call? Two, four, niner, five, six, seven. At 502-384-1450. I can't hear you. You're trailing off. And did I catch a niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie-talkie? No, it was cordless. Mm -hmm. Presented by Allen Electric. back here 1450 the sports buzz and i thought about it a little over the break trevor it's not so much people asking questions they they already know the answer to uh, because that doesn't happen all that much i guess that still maybe annoys me a little bit more so it's people asking questions they don't care what the answer is and that kind of goes with the small talk thing so not rhetorical questions in the full definition but 
questions that they just yeah they just want to fill the gap of silence in the air. Yeah, it's like you know, and I understand that sometimes it's it's I understand sometimes it's necessary if you're waiting in line somewhere or you're at a store. Uh, you know, it's okay to to say one thing or another, but it's when it's it's not just one thing or another, and it kind of turns into like a five or ten minute conversation where you're not better off at the end of that conversation. You didn't learn anything that you really cared about. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. You just described every conversation at every family gathering I've ever had. Uh, family gatherings can it can it can happen there. Sometimes it doesn't have to. The beginning of family gatherings that uh, this is it to a T. That's it to a T. Uh, but for my family gatherings, once we kind of get settled in, we we start actually joking around and having some good stuff. Yes, but the beginning of any holiday is that is probably the most dreadful 10 to 15 minutes. And I think everybody would would say with that. That's not me. That doesn't say that I'm the biggest jerk in the world, right? No, no, that doesn't give you the definition of biggest jerk in the world. I'm sure we can find other reasons though. No, oh, I guarantee you could. Uh, did you watch any of that United States women's national uh national team World Cup game yesterday? I was a little preoccupied by two other sports, but I did see the highlights. Uh, that was uh exciting stuff. Not their best game, but Able to come away with a 3-1 win, get three points. I saw ESPN gave them a 99% chance to make it to the next round, uh, which, you know, that's good news. Uh, it's fun to watch. I, I, if I had to pick one sport, and, you know, obviously men's sports are more popular in America, but if I had to pick one sport where I feel it's maybe closest to its male counterpart, Trevor, I would probably say it's women's soccer. Uh, it's You still have to be as skillful. You have to... Um, understand the game and, and make the right plays and all that is the same as the men's the only place that it's different is the men's is maybe a little bit more physical in some situations not always uh it, and the men play a little bit faster because they're a little bit faster do they equal the level of flopping in men's that they do in women's it's actually less flopping in women's and that's what i like about it there still is some flopping and, and i think the somebody that's not a soccer fan would watch it and still say wow that's way too much flopping uh, but it's not as much or as consistent. And I think that does go with it not being as physical or fast. Uh, it does may- mean there's no less flopping. So that's actually a plus where it's actually better than the men's. Uh, there was the Women's World Cup tournament match. Uh, I want to say maybe it was the quarterfinals or the semifinals last last World Cup in 2011. The United States playing Brazil when that one girl, I don't know if you remember this, Trevor, she just fell. And nothing had happened to her. Uh, they they were looking to run out the clock on the United States and fell, um, acting like she was injured. Do you remember that at all? I do not, uh, but I, I find it hard to believe that woman would over dramatize something. You would have, you would have thought that they, she was shot in the spine or or something had happened to her. They had to take her off on a little cart, and then midway through taking her off, she got up and and started moving around. You almost have to be carted off when you, I mean, you, if you're going to sell going down a flop, whether it be men's or women's soccer, don't you? I mean, you, you have to. Otherwise, you're just going to look like even more of a fool. You've got to be carted off, even if you're just you're flopping in general. I would not, unless I couldn't walk, I would not let them cart me off, even if I was flopping, although I don't think I would flop. Uh, I, I would. Have you ever flopped in any sporting event, whether it be basketball, soccer, whatever? Well, it would, it would just have to be basketball and I was playing and I play in a league and I played I was playing Sunday night and we only had five guys and the other team had nine and and, and they were probably better than us even if we were well actually if we were we we've got some guys that have played college that played college basketball uh, and, and and three of those guys were out 
But if we if we were at full strength, I think we probably would have been better than them. Uh, having only five guys and, and maybe three of our better players not there, uh, we were not at full strength. They had nine guys, and they were just they were pressing us too. Um, so it kind of crossed my mind during the game. Have I ever one? I thought to myself, have I ever flopped? Uh, should I do that? Should I try to draw foul? Um, and, and I and I thought about it more after the game. I think I have before, and I think it's been maybe on a rebound or when a guy has been, you know, lowering his shoulder. I, I have gone down easier than it would it would take to get me to go down. So I guess in basketball, I have sold foul calls maybe a bit more. I've been flopped on, but never done flopping. I mean, me flopping in my size would be like Shaq flopping. It's just it just looks really bad. I can picture you being like Joshua Jackson and Mighty Ducks, like refusing to cover your eye and go down for for, for a now, penalty. Now, any time that I have flopped, there has been contact. Now, maybe it wasn't as severe as you're Vladi Divac. It, it, no, it it and it's not all the time. It's 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 on contact plays where maybe I came up a little bit short, or maybe when I really got fouled, but it still wasn't enough to make me fall down. So I've just you know I've made it easier on the ref. Um, I do. I, I'm I'm pretty solid at getting calls as well. Now I will sell the arm flop. I learned that from Reggie watching Reggie Miller in my whole life. I will sell that, but I won't sell the uh, flopping of the body again. When you're my size, you just look silly doing it. Yeah, Captain Arctic says, "Who the f presses in a pickup game?" That's what I was thinking. When they did it, <laughs> and they knew, but they knew they had five. We had five people, and they were just going to try to wear us out as much as possible. And they they started pressing maybe with 12 minutes left in the game. You play two 20 minutes half. We were down nine at halftime. We we had got it to seven or five during the second half. Um, you know we we were never really threatening on taking the lead, but we were also hanging around, making sure we weren't going to get blown out. Uh, and then we they went to a timeout. I think maybe we got it to seven. They decided they were going to press, and sadly it did work for us stupid it is to press in a and it wasn't a pickup game i mean this is a this is a league game and a, it was a tournament game uh but still i who, yeah you don't press losers you sound like, All of, you sound yeah. like uh 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 what's his name in big lebowski in the bowling tournament it's a tournament league game <laughs> you're in for a world of pain people anyways uh so the so the United States I don't even know how we got to this I, I guess we were talking about soccer so they, they move on three one win uh, next I think they play Sweden if I'm not mistaken ooh their girls uh, can can match us who tied Nigeria which was a surprising tie uh, Sweden fifth in the world so this is a is yeah the the number two team the five team and the tenth team all in the United States group uh, that would be considered the group of death so uh, it could be another tough match women were shaky on defense uh that was the primary sporting event that i watched um we talked to rob a little bit about rick patino i want to talk a little bit about it i want to talk to you a little bit about it trevor uh, are you happy with this news I, I i can't imagine any louisville fan is very upset about it or i can't imagine it it causing a louisville fan to to not renew his season tickets or anything along those lines but i was a bit surprised to see them keep to, to extend him as far as they did because at least in some capacity that means they expect him to maybe be there in 20 in 2026 so what did you make of the news of rick patino getting a contract extension today i yawned i it, it, rob said it best when he said a contract length in college is the most useless number in in 
in all of sports contracts. It's pointless. I mean, does it really matter what have the length of the contract? Now, the money matters, and he, like you said, the buyout matters. The length is irrelevant. I mean, hell, Petrino signed a contract to what, like a 10-year deal with Louisville left, went to two different places, and came back before that original contract, I think, was even up and signed back with Louisville. Coaches come and go. The buyout's important. The length is just – it's just for show. It, it means nothing to me, and I'm sure it means very little. I mean, if Patino wants to retire before 2025, Patino's going to retire before 2025. If he wants to stay longer than that, they'll give him an extension, however long he wants to, the extension to be. The money matters, and the, as, as Rob said, the buyout matters. Everything else is just irrelevant. And I, I agree with that wholeheartedly, but – Again, the thing that jumps out to me is that Patino at least thinks, as of right now, hey, I could coach until I'm 73. I don't see why I couldn't. Let's go ahead and get that contract extension worked out. And if I change my mind before, then I'll quit. Uh, but also on Louisville's side, they say, okay, well, you know, you've done a great job. We we appreciate what you've done. Well, yeah, you can coach here till you're 73. Let's go and work this out. So it's more of the principle that they think that he could coach for an additional 11 years and that, to me, is the surprising thing. That, that to me, is the thing that kind of caught me off guard and the thing that I want to talk about. Uh, this is a coach, uh, what if he doesn't win another title, Trevor? What if in 2025 he still has that just one title? There's no way at that point his time at Louisville could be considered successful. Well, I, that's whether it's successful or not. At that point, then it comes to does he get, you know, I don't think he – he doesn't. He wouldn't get never be fired. He may get a Denny Crum retirement letter, but I don't think he'd be fired. And and if he's in ten years, hasn't won a second national title, and I mean, if it's you're sprinkling in a dozen, a ton of Final Fours in there, maybe it makes it feel a little better. But yeah, one title and by 2025, from 2024 year tenure at Louisville, that's that's very unsuccessful. That's unsuccessful anywhere, probably. Well, it, you know, if you unless you're working at like Cal State Fullerton's basketball program, yeah, any major program, you're gonna have want to have one more than than one title in 26, 25 years of coaching. Uh, but that begs the question: is is his tenure at Louisville right now successful? Fourteen years, one title. Uh I don't think. I, yeah, I say yet yeah, more lean towards yes than no. Uh, it was a very rough beginning and didn't have, I mean, obviously the, the team that he inherited wasn't the best in a different situation uh, compared to maybe Cal taking over Kentucky being the fact that Patino got burned by going after guys who he probably shouldn't have gone after because when he left for the Boston Celtics, people weren't necessarily jumping straight to the NBA. I mean, they had just started barely doing it with obviously in 95 with Kevin Garnett. So I don't think he really adjusted properly that, and it, it burned him severely in certain cases more so than others. Guys like James Lang, who didn't end up being nothing, but still, and you had guys like uh, Johnson, who plays for the Raptors still, or or uh, obviously Sebastian Telfer going with him over a guy like Rondo. So I think that really slowed his progress when he first got to Louisville instead of being able to jump into the Louisville job and try to turn them around as quickly as maybe Cal did at Kentucky. Yeah, but that doesn't... That doesn't answer the question. Well, so, but, but, but my he, saying, he, by, know, he still made those mistakes. Well, yeah, he did, and those are mistakes to be made. But well, I'm, I, I bring that up because I give him, I use those as a kind of a pass, and as you can call it an excuse as you want, and it kind of is. But I use that as a pass to avoid saying, "Oh, well, it took him." You know, he's been here now what 14 years, and he's only won one national title. But as Rob said, over the last six years, and if you count the, the hip hiccups of the first four years being at Louisville. 
you know, in 2005, it was four years in, he was in his first Final Four, and then since then has been one of the upper echelon programs in college basketball without an argument. Well, here's here's the thing. If you look at his numbers and, and the trophies and the Final Fours, three Final Fours in 14 years, one title, that's good to okay. It's not great. I, you know, it, it's better than okay because you do have the national title in there. You do have some some semi consistency with Final Fours, also several Elite Eights. It's 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 probably better than okay. Maybe it, it's good. I guess. Yeah, I guess you could say it's good. Well, I mean, how many but, programs in the last in the last five years can you say clear cut have been more successful than Louisville? In the last five years, uh, we're not we're talking about the last fourteen years. Well, I know, but I'm I, again. I will, I'm gonna go to. I'll say let's last ten years from 2005. It's first Final Four, and I know that's kind of a cheap way to do it because it's first Final Four. But as I mentioned, I give him a pass because of the mistakes and the adjustments going back into college that he had when he first got back to Louisville, inheriting a roster that needed to be completely rebuilt, and at least in some cases, Ellis Miles were abandoned, retaught, and reweighed. And then also the, the hit and misses of not knowing the adjustments of the, how the college game had changed while he was in a short time in the NBA from one and dones to I mean when he got when he was at Kentucky and I mean he, guys like Mercer and Walker they would have been they would have been straight to the NBA had it been four years later. So so but I you know I, I, I okay that's fine all that's good and fine but that still doesn't change the point of it is has he been overly successful at Louisville. And I don't think he has been, but I, I still think he's been good. I just, if not for his most recent success, you look at Patino's tenure, may, even if you throw in the title, let, but let's say he didn't go to the 2012 Final Four, uh, which by all accounts, that was kind of a surprise to make it that far. Uh, then, what you know, what if you only have two Final Fours and that title? It, it, it it's really borderline to just an okay time at Louisville. Now he is trending up. That's the good news for Rick Pitino. That's the good news for U of O by signing this contract. And it's the good news for Louisville fans that he's he's trending up. Uh, since John Calipari's been at Kentucky, it's kind of lit a fire underneath him. And he's he. You're right. They are one of the top five programs. You did ask in the last ten years which programs have been more successful. Off the top of my head, UNC, Kansas, Duke. Kentucky, UConn, Florida, those are six off the top of my head. And I'm not saying that there, I'm not saying that there aren't above, teams above, but to, to argue and say Louisville isn't arguably a top five in the last ten years is ridiculous. Now you can say that there's six above them, and I'm not going to say you agree or disagree completely with you, but it's definitely argumentative that they are not completely clear cut ahead of Louisville. Well, I think it's pretty safe to say that Florida has two titles in a Final Four. That's you know that's better. You got to put all the teams that have two titles. Uh, Duke, so well, Florida Kansas doesn't have two titles. They have Duke. one. They have numerous first round exits in that same span. Yeah, but they also have been to a national title game as well, uh, and I believe another Final Four and, in that time span. And, and I mean, and then you're going to the, you're one, going to the very you're going to the very beginning and cutting it close in that ten years by saying the, the Florida two national championship that was oh six and oh seven just break. Just barely making the cut. Well, and since uh, well, okay. then, and, so since then, can, and since then, that's two final so would fours. Would you like to alter the numbers to make it favorable for you? What do you want to do? Well, no, I said ten years, and I'd favored okay, myself so by doing years, that so. by giving a little one extra final four and oh five. So okay, so you're also going to get UNC that has two titles in that same time. Now, whether or not those titles were deserved with cheating, I mean, are you uh, going to say UCLA is more successful because they went to three final fours the same amount in that same time? No. 
No, because they don't have a title. I mean, could, Florida technically went to one. I mean, have they been? They've only been to two Final Fours because they won. Now, granted, they won the national championship in both attempts, but they've only no, even well, been they, to two. Don't forget about last year's Final Four. They went to. Oh yeah, I did forget about that one. Okay, they have been to three. I forgot. You're right. And they've got the I, two titles. I, I guess I assume they lost in the lead eight again as usual. Yeah, not not that year. Not they that finally, Louisville hasn't done that as well themselves. They've lost in three lead eights in the, since in the last six years. So there are programs that have been better, but that's okay. We're we're not arguing. But, but those aren't clear cut better to me. You can argue they're better to me. I'll accept the argument, but to tell me they're clear cut better, I don't. I disagree with that. They they mean especially they just, in Kansas is an example. Kansas even UConn because they have two national titles, but in between, what do they have? Missed seasons and NIT appearances. Well, they had a they they also got in trouble, so they had oh, to have. Well, that's season. not that's that's their fault. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not their fault, but it also I, I'm still going to take the two titles. I think national championships rank above everything else, and I think anybody that's uh, with half a brain would agree above that. Yeah, I mean it depends. I mean, if you win a national title, then don't make the team make the they may make the tournament for four straight years. Does that mean you're still a better? program than a team that's been to the lead eight maybe four or five straight years but no national title or what or has been to like four well, final it, fours it, and no it, national title is that what you're saying in terms of where the programs are projecting then you're probably going to take the one that has the elite eights but when you sit back and look at it and you go okay well which run was better i think anybody's going to take the national titles i think they will and, and i think patino for him to have a to have a successful tenure at louisville is going to have to win another one now that now does that mean, he will, and does that mean at the end of twenty twenty six you look at his contract and you go okay he's won two titles that's successful even that two titles in twenty six years of coaching so by your perspective though UConn has been more successful than Kentucky over the last six years yeah okay yeah it it it's about titles all right you gotta win you gotta win national championships I just want to make sure we keep we keep it straight and, and forward with that okay it it, it is. UConn a better program than Kentucky? No, but I any Kentucky fan I think would take that tournament run, including missing a year uh, because of probation, which maybe that wouldn't sit as well with Kentucky fans, uh, but missing a year because of probation and an NIT year, which Kentucky already has, if it meant having two titles. Kentucky is in an arms race with UCLA to get those titles, so that's all that matters to UK fans. Uh, you, you know, UK just had a 38-win season, and it was disappointing because it, it – was there wasn't a national championship? So, uh, Captain Arctic says in twenty twenty six, Kentucky will have eclipsed UCLA, uh, and at the end of the day, that's all Kentucky fans care about is trying to find a way to get in front of UCLA. So, if it's about national titles, then that means so you're saying that obviously North Carolina has more national titles since in the last ten years. Florida, that's two. Duke, three. UConn, four. That only leaves four teams clearly in your mind and by your argument ahead of Louisville. So, therefore, that would put them in the top five. Well. Kentucky has a title. Well, they have one, but so does Louisville. So argumentatively, by your definition, they can still argue Louisville is, is more successful than Kentucky in the last 10 years. Well, then it goes to Final Fours. Oh, I mean, there, there's, okay. I didn't know there was a conversion chart over here to this. There is. I'll send it to you. I'll fax it to you. <laughs> send me that PDF. I'll, I'll do that. I can do that for you without a doubt. But I here's the thing. It is another concern with Rick Pitino and that contract extension. He's not a great recruiter. Now, he's still getting top 10 classes because it is Louisville. Uh, look at the Yum Center. But he's, he's not going to be able to get those five-star players that are going to be able to be one-and-dones or come in and make a significant impact uh, like an Anthony Davis, which, you know, he, they don't grow on trees, um, or a Julia Locafor. He's not going to be able to get those guys. But what if, what if in his age, 
Because right now he is, how old is he, 60, 62? 62. He's 62. Say in three years. And, you know, I go to these recruiting events, and these recruiting events are awful. They're long days. you got to get up early. You don't go to bed till late at night. Wait, what if, wait, wait to make you sound like you do such a harder job than you really do. <laughs> What if they, it, I mean, when you're at an event, it's not necessarily all that much fun. At least the coaches don't have to sit around a 16-year-old kid and hope that he decides he's in the mood to talk or if he's just going to be, you know, a, a sore loser because they lost their game and I've not done, talk. I've done recruit interviews. I know where you're coming from on that. I agree. <laughs> so at least coaches don't have to do that, but they are long days. What if when he's 65, he he puts less, and I'm not saying he doesn't put a lot of effort in recruiting right now, but what if he decides, you know what, I don't. I don't really feel like recruiting this event. I'm not going to go. What if Louisville's recruiting suffers just slightly? That's, then you drop down to 15 to 20 recruiting clubs, ranked in top 15 or top 20. That's what he gets. That that's be, what he gets younger assistants for that are more hip with the kids. And that's you know that's one way to go about it. And he he's always going to have the track record, which could be appealing to kids. Uh, but you still have to be able to relate to them. You still have to be able to win with young guys to I mean, get recruits to think that they can come in. Larry Brown is 87, and he's bringing in recruits to SMU. Yeah. Granted, uh, granted they're not eligible academically because they went to fake <laughs> high schools, but they're still committing to SMU. <laughs> I, I, I just don't see a way that Patino's coaching when he's, uh, when he's 23. I could be wrong. Yeah, they said or, the same 70, thing about Mick 70. Jagger and Rolling Stones, too. When he's 73, but uh, Jim Beheim 70, Coach K, uh, 68, Roy Williams, 64, John Calipari, 56. Um, Cal looks good for 56. I'll give him that. Oh, man, you should have seen him back when he was. But Tino's aged. Tino hasn't <laughs> aged very well over the last 10 years, but Cal's done well. I'll give him that. I'll give him credit. Now, I, when, you look at pictures of John Calipari before he got to Kentucky versus now, it's like the president pictures, man. That job, <laughs> that ages you horribly. Look at Patino's uh, even, too. I agree. It does. Patino's gotten almost significantly worse since John Calipari got at Kentucky, too. I don't think this rivalry is good for their health. Uh, and it's probably not good for a lot of fans. So uh, we're out of time. We're going to, we have plenty. We'll, we'll carry this over tomorrow. There's a plenty of things I didn't get to. So join us tomorrow, four o'clock, 1450, the sports buzz. We'll see you then. Don't forget to seven, don't be hitting two. Song call it blue, grass, song call it purple. I'ma call it home, take a shot of tone. Lay back in the lap and take two to the dome. Ride from the bill to BG in my zone. Let me hear you say high time, sitting by the river. Got my old shotgun, fishing pole in my liquor. Cause people always trying to tell me how to run my life when they say I'm going wrong and I swear I'm going wrong.